Hey, Earth Being, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon. And I'm the other host, Angel. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending like it all makes sense. But you all know that by now, if you've been a listener of ours for a bit, and if you're new, then yes, we talk about shit that lives in the spiritual realm without entirely knowing what we're talking about. Because as long as we are in form, we will only be making very educated guesses. (laughs) And frankly, the realm of words only does uh, adequate, mediocre. Yeah passable job at trying to crystallize some of these more uh, ineffable experiences that are qualified as spirituality. Yeah. And honestly, we're just out here living lives that, uh, you know, through them, we're seeing all of these really interesting spiritually tinged experiences manifest for us. And a lot of our day to day has us coming in contact with people who are also out in the world, living spiritually inclined lives. So we can't help but to just be in that headspace almost all the time. And this is what we're passionate about. Ever since we were young, Angel and I have both been really passionate about spiritual esoteric practices. And so the podcast is really about trying to demystify the mystical so that you too can ignite your own passion around the things in the world that don't necessarily make sense, but that excite you and maybe inspire your own imagination, your own inherent waking up witchiness. And hopefully allow you to feel less alone in the process. So speaking of less alone, should we introduce who we are? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm Angel Lopez. Hello. Hi. I am a writer and a producer of films, and I am also an astrologer. And I'm Brandon Alter. I am a healer. I am a tarot reader and teacher, and I am also a writer and a performer. And we are husbands. We're married. Gay married. Though now just married. I mean, it can still be gay married. We are gay married. I mean, we'll be gay married forever. That's true. And we are uh, doggy daddies to Noche. That's true. Who you may hear bark or scratch or do some sort of something through the course of this podcast. Yeah, and we're not going to edit it out because we're (laughs) dedicated to keeping it all the way real. As real as we can. Yeah, totally. Uh, But as always, let's just uh, start off with a little bit of a check-in, boo. Babe, how are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, you seem pretty good. (laughs) You seem like you're moving through this eclipse season just fine. I mean, I'm doing the best that I can. I'm working really hard on just being vulnerable and present to it all. Uh, The eclipse season, and for people who don't entirely understand that, you know, we had a new moon solar eclipse recently, and it's kicked off this current eclipse season because we will have a lunar eclipse during the full moon in Capricorn later in the month. And so astrologers deem that eclipse season and it's really a time of major new beginnings and endings and just sort of karmic upheaval to some degree. And I do feel like I have been trying to approach it from a place of standing still and just being really present to everything and Honestly, I think just being more vulnerable as myself, and that's allowed me to become a bit more comfortable in who I am, or at least see when I'm feeling really uncomfortable in who I am and trying to push myself out of my comfort zone to get more comfortable 
especially when it comes to just where I want to be going. You know, I want to be moving more toward like being a public figure in astrology and being more of a public figure in my work. And, you know, I am a writer, but I really haven't been uh, screenwriting as much as I want to be. So I'm really trying to push myself more towards that and have been. And I'm working on things now in a really tangible way, which is super exciting for me. And that just has felt like a good shift for, my, for myself. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just kind of proud of myself. And I feel like that's what's kind of coming through. Yeah. I don't always have pride for myself <laughs> or haven't always had a good relationship with that in the past. So self-esteem is something I always have to work on and am just tackling it right now and trying to have a good face about it. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, I think... You know, we just got to the end of Pride Month, right? June is like Gay Pride Month globally, even though prides happen throughout the summer. And I think that there is this continual coming out process that happens for everybody, no matter who you are, because people get used to you in one way. And then as you change, you have to keep coming out and go, well, actually, this is who I am now. And sometimes that's really uncomfortable because people get really attached to who you've been. And so vulnerability, which I always say is an ability, is a hard thing to keep coming out and keep telling people in your life who you are now and opening yourself up for, you know, their judgment or their opinions or their discomfort. Yeah. And I think for me, particularly around, you know, my spiritual life, that's the one thing that I don't think I've ever really put out in a big way. I mean, that being said, we've had a podcast about it for a year. Yeah. But I mean, we talk about this. We talked about it this morning that I don't think a lot of our close friends probably really listen to this podcast. And that's no shade. That's just the reality, because I don't think we've always necessarily probably infused those relationships with our spiritual self. And or if we have, we haven't done it with maybe a sense of like real integrity around it like they're aware of it but they're like oh yeah that's your thing that you do on the side and I think more and more we're both realizing that it's not just this thing we do on the side that it's something that our entire life is just imbued with so I think that's kind of where I'm coming from of just really trying to put myself forth and have that be a part of how people view me and see me and understand me and then can choose whether they want to believe I'm wacky or brilliant. Yeah, something I've been working with a lot these days is trying to pay attention to where my anxiety ends and somebody else's begins because I have a tendency to absorb other people's anxiety. And so in some of these relationships, it's feeling other people's anxiety or discomfort around certain spiritual practices because you talk about tarot or you talk about astrology or you talk about shamanism and all of a sudden you can feel people's hackles kind of raise. Oh, yeah. And I'm very sensitive to that. So I dampen myself so as to not make them uncomfortable. And moving forwards, I'm really only interested in fostering relationships with people that in some way can communicate or at least hold the space around what I'm passionate about. And so I think that's on me because other people read you for how to respond to certain things. And I was just saying this with my good friend last night, that if I'm in any way uncomfortable, shameful around any of my spiritual practices, then they're going to pick up on that. Mm -hmm. But if I'm firmly grounded and rooted in the fact that the spirits are real and they're guiding my life, 
then that's what people are going to pick up on. And maybe they're going to be curious or interested. No, I think what you just said is so important. Uh, and I don't remember who it was, but someone amazing said, you know, we we teach people how to treat us. Totally. And I think that that is so important, especially in looking at your relationships. And uh, we're going to do a little cosmic update and we'll get into it. But we are in cancer season. And I think there is a lot of looking backwards to understand your present and where you're going in the future that's going on right now. So it's important for all of us to really have a sense of where we've come from and what we're bringing with us. And I guess rewriting some of those relationships, rewriting where you've been with the people that you want to be able to bring forwards into the future, into your future. Oh, yes. A whole lot of revisions going on, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, we're, we're kind of bleeding back and forth here. But what? how are you? Yeah. I mean, so definitely learning to separate my anxiety from other people's anxiety, coming out of the closet, not as much as a spiritual person, because I do feel like I've always been a little bit more comfortable just as an Aquarius leaning into the woo-woo more than you have. And people do kind of know. I mean, I've been, you know, doing healing work for a couple of years now and tarot for a while, but now I'm coming out of the closet as a marijuana addict. So that's exciting. Letting people know about my relationship with, you know, substances and really living a sober life and the challenges that come with that mostly you know, having to be present for my emotional life 24-7. There's no real reprieve, even though we did binge Stranger Things yesterday. <laughs> Which wasn't so much a reprieve as it was more anxiety, but that was that was uh, somebody else's anxiety. Yeah. Uh, imaginary anxiety. And but, you probably would have done that really high as a kite normally. Yeah. <laughs> and enjoyed it just the same. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and I'm learning how to enjoy my life and be present for my life. And learning what fun looks like when it's not connected with smoking pot. And so it's definitely had me deep in my feelings. And eclipse season only exacerbates that. But I'm really grateful. And I feel like I'm a lot more perceptive and present and able to sink into the magic that's available in ordinary reality because I'm not reaching for something to make it more exciting or richer or what have you. Yeah, man. Um, which we'll get into today because we're going to do a deep dive into the suit of pentacles. So we're going to do another tarot episode because people really loved our episode on the major arcana. So I thought what we're going to do is four episodes and each episode will talk about each of the four suits of the tarot. And so we're going to um, unpack the magic of pentacles today. And pentacles is really all about ordinary reality, about the physical world, but also about the magic that is in the ordinary world. And that if you can tune into it, you start to realize that, oh, magic isn't somewhere else, isn't somewhere outside of ourselves. It's here. We just have to start to really pay attention to it. So exciting. I'm glad we're going to dive into all of those. Yeah, me too. I'm ready. Yeah. All right, hon. Well, I just want to say really quick before we move on that I am really proud of you that you're moving through all of this. And, you know, I don't want to necessarily, necessarily say like facing some demons because um, I don't really feel like it's that. No, it doesn't heavy. feel like that either. <laughs> but just the fact that you are allowing yourself to be a little more present just to your experience. Yeah, just being more present and committing 100% to my soul's purpose and to my life as it wants to be lived. Yeah. 
yeah, man, you know, you're inspiring me too. And I am just feeling even more driven to continue to be the best version of myself and follow whatever messages are coming through for me that are guiding me down that path. Yeah. As opposed to like taking a little bit of message and then checking all the way out and then taking a little bit of message and checking all the way out. Completely. It's like just taking the messages and getting bigger and brighter messages. Well, getting those messages and then sitting with them. Yeah. And having to really uh, like see them play out. Yeah. In a tangible, physical, real world way. Exactly. So before we get into that, we wanted to get into a little conversation about what's going on astrologically in the world. Yes, all of those celestial energies. So put on your spacesuits. It's time for this episode's Cosmic Cosmic Update. Update. All right, so as we are recording this... Mercury has gone retrograde. So we are brave as fuck. <laughs> we are so be brave. trying to record a podcast. I was like watching Brandon set this up and asking him, should we re- check, double check this, triple check this, quadruple check this? <laughs> so hopefully this will come out to you all and sound great. <laughs> but yeah, Mercury has gone retrograde uh, today and it is going to go all the way through the end of this month. I've noticed a few different sources saying July 31st, August 2nd. The sources that I use both said July 31st, so I'm going with July 31st. Cool. So till the end of the month, everybody. (laughs) Till the end of the month. And, you know, this retrograde has us going through both the sign of Leo and the sign of Cancer. It's about half and half. And uh, in case you don't know, retrogrades are, you know, it's basically when the planet sort of stops its motion and sort of slows down. And uh, it tends to, on the surface, as I'm sure you've heard, present this period of time where everyone starts to freak out and think that everything's going to come crashing down and the buzzy things you hear are you know communication's gonna break down your laptop's gonna stop working and emails and double check them and all types of things and yes I am someone who does believe in not booking travel or signing a contract during mercury retrograde season uh, because it has been my experience to see those things uh, lead to needing to be redone anyway at that time more so than usual but sometimes you can't help it so if you are signing a contract or you are booking travel just know that you may have to reconfigure you may have to re-sign or rewrite the contract or just double triple check and make sure that you're really booking that plane ticket for the dates that you're really flying out on. exactly it's a time to review renew revive revisit it's a respite Yes. Mercury retrograde is a chance to take a break from your need to move forwards and to slow down and to integrate and unpack what's already happened. Yeah, just take a cue from Mercury itself and slow down. It asks you to pay a bit more attention to where you're going and what you're doing. I actually think that there's something to the idea of, you know, with this Mercury retrograde, Particularly, you know, the Leo cancer element, because, you know, a Mercury in Leo is very bold with its ideas. It is slightly ego driven in its ideas, but also very creative. And 
you know, we may have all gotten excited by ideas and wanting to charge forward. I think the challenge with the Mercury Leo season is that everyone wants to be the leader. So this is an opportunity to slow down for the next, you know, two weeks and or a week and a half, I should say, and make sure who actually needs to be the leader in where they're at. And then we're going to dive back into Mercury and Cancer and go all the way back to where we were on June 21st. So that's a good uh, date for everyone to look at and kind of see, you know, 20th, 21st, 22nd, what was going on for you, because we're going to revisit those energies again all the way through this retrograde season. And ultimately, when you're looking back through cancer, you know, cancer is all about the past. And, you know, it's rooted in home, family, what we experienced as a child. So if you think about a Mercury in Cancer, it asks you to explore the mentalities that were created when you were young. And some of those mentalities are really no longer serving who you are at this time in your life. So to have a Mercury retrograde in that space, it's creating opportunity for you to release those old, outdated, childish mentalities that you're now transplanting onto your adult self. Pay attention to where you are approaching things from a childlike perspective. And, you know, Leo is interested in, in children. It rules children but from a sense of play and wonder. So there is even an opportunity there to even look at where you've put too much weight or heaviness on something and where you need to revisit a sense of play and how to infuse that into it. And if I may, I just want to say for you, because you actually are having this Mercury transit, Brandon, through your fifth house. Mm -hmm. So... Would you feel, I mean, we were talking about this, how you sort of were having a, a need to like sort of infuse more play into your day-to-day. -day. It just seems so connected to this transit. Yeah, well, I don't come to play very easily. Right. Because I have a Capricorn moon and I can get really serious about like living my life. And so I am wanting and the messaging that's been coming to me for the last month has been all about like lightening up and being more playful. I'm not doing a fucking great job of it, but I'm <laughs> at least aware of that. Well, the retrogrades just begun. So yeah, hopefully, you know, I can find a more playful way to move through these next four weeks and hopefully a more playful way to like move through my life. Yeah. And for me, it's all through my third house. It's actually retrograded. It stopped right at the doorway to my fourth house. And is going backwards over my moon. Uh, so for me, it's a lot of, I mean, I talked about vulnerability. I think it is rewiring my brain, you know, third house, my mind. Yeah. For more sensitive vulnerability for myself, how I love myself, you know, and how I love myself through my thoughts, you know. So I think for everyone out there, it's important to, if you can, figure out where you have Leo and Cancer uh, and really, it's um, the degrees of like, 24 degrees Cancer through 4 degrees Leo. Where do those fall in your chart? You know, what house is all of this going through? You know, and then look around in your life and see 
what's showing up because everything that shows up for you in your life is a reflection of, you know, of the lessons that you need to be paying attention to right now. So make sure that you're taking all of those in and, and working through them as best you can because that's going to lead you down the path to understanding yourself in a more meaningful way. And then you can move forward into Leo season as a leader, but with a real sense of confidence and strength, that Leo nobility, that you can then feel that confidence underneath everything that you're doing because you've gone back and sort of double-checked that what you're bringing into the future is not just some old bullshit that you've been dragging with you for a long-ass time. And there's so much too right now, which is Cancer Capricorn. That's the polarity of the eclipses that we're in. Capricorn is where Pluto and Saturn have been just sitting together for a while. Those kings are up there just... Right by the south node, which right, is like yeah. the toilet bowl of the sky. It's like what's being <laughs> flushed out. Exactly. So they're just trying to flush out all this old, deep psychological wounding that we've been holding on to yeah. and the self-limiting beliefs that we've been allowing our, ourselves to just make decisions for us which is like the patriarchy within because capricorn is the sign of the patriarchy but the patriarchy is not just outside of ourselves anyone that grew up in a patriarchal society has the patriarchy inside themselves so it's like unrooting those voices that actually don't belong to you yeah and flushing that shit down it's a really busy time right now. Busy meaning that there's a lot of energies at play. So perhaps you're best trying not to be so busy in ordinary reality. Yeah, and if you have to be busy because we live in the world, just making time for yourself to slow down when you can, take breaths <laughs> when needed, you know, go sit in your car when you have a break at work and just take some deep breaths to yourself, you know, instead of like going out with Susie and Shirley for you know, a salad, like take some moments to you for you. We all have to put ourselves first whenever we can. So even if we have children or, you know, families, you have to still make those moments for yourself important and of value because you are important and of value. All right. So we took you up into the heavens Take off your spacesuit and put on your scuba suit because now we're going to go into this episode's Deep Dive. So as I teased a little earlier in the episode, today we are going to be diving into the suit of pentacles in the tarot. Whoop, whoop. And these are 14 cards that really explore how we can manifest our magic in the world. Pentacles is the suit of Earth. It's connected to Earth. And on one hand, yes, pentacles absolutely rule over the things you can touch, taste, smell, and feel. So your body and your bank account and your career and your car and your house and your family... But on a deeper level, what Pentacles is really speaking to is how do we manifest and how do we experience the magic of the ordinary? How do we experience the magic of nature? And initially, it wasn't a Pentacle, it was a coin. So it was the suit of coins. And so that felt absolutely financial 
and a little bit more tangible in terms of like career and work, but it was changed to pentacle. And a pentacle is the five-pointed star in a circle of light. And you might recognize the pentacle because the pentacle is kind of the ubiquitous symbol for witchcraft. So in a lot of ways, we can think about pentacles as the suit of magic. And everything starts in the void first. Any thought you have, a child coming into this world starts somewhere in invisible reality. But how we bring it into the world of form requires some magic, and Pentacles kind of teaches us how we can do that. And the suit of Earth sometimes gets a bad rap. Why? Well, because we're a lot more interested in like the suit of cups, which is our like emotion and our intuition, or the suit of swords, which is like mental and creative, or the suit of wands, which is spiritual and sexual. And discs just seems more like material girl living in a material world. Exactly. But I'm going to share with you a little story. Oh. And the story is from the Kabbalah, which is the Jewish mystical texts. And a lot of uh, mystical Judaism is actually found in the tarot. Uh, but this is a short little story that kind of illustrates the need for earthly reality and how earth is actually the combination of all the other elements. It's only on earth that we get the water and the fire and the air. So the story is about these four rabbis, these four wise men who, through meditation and study, they entered into paradise. And the first rabbi, Rabbi Ben Azai, he experienced such ecstasy that he fell dead on the spot. And so we might say that is too much fire, too much spiritual ecstasy, too much pleasure. And then Rabbi Ben Zoma, overwhelmed by the flood of experience, went mad. And so we might say that is too much water, too much emotion. And then Rabbi Ben Abush saw what looked like two gods, a contradiction of the basic tenet of monotheism, and thereby became an apostate. So he forsook all uh, religion or spirituality because he saw something that he couldn't comprehend. And the two gods you might just think of as seeing the divine masculine and the divine feminine and not being able to make sense of that. And so you go, eh. Fuck it all. And so that's too much air. <laughs> it was the last rabbi, Rabbi Akiba, who entered and left in peace. Yes, Akiba. And that was because he understood that all of these spiritual practices are only as valuable as what you can integrate into physical reality. Because even though we are spiritual beings, having a human experience for the time being, and we are time beings, we are in form. So it's not about going up onto the mountaintop and staying there. It's about going up onto the mountaintop, gathering the wisdom that's going to help you make your physical life more spiritual, more meaningful, more joyful, more pleasurable. That's why we need spirituality in our human experience, is not to leave the human experience, but to become more deeply entrenched in it. And so now... What I'd like to do before we dive in is I'd just like to read you something from this book, uh, Magic of the Ordinary, Recovering the Shamanic in Judaism. And it's just a really beautiful little passage that I think really speaks to this idea of what pentacles is really inviting us into. So uh, Gershon Winkler, who wrote this book, he says, When I walk in the wilderness around my home and I pass a stone and the stone catches my eye, I can simply notice it and keep walking. Or I can acknowledge a still small voice, deep deep inside me that beckons me toward that stone that is communicating to me the desire of that stone to have me engage it 
If I pay attention in that moment to that ever so gentle, almost dormant pull toward the stone, and then sit by the stone, or lie down beside it, I will enter into relationship with its spirit. Because that stone exists only because it is enlivened by the same breath of Creator that is willing me too into being. The act of the manifestation of that will is, in essence, the messenger or spirit of the source of that will. So when we're really talking about the suit of pentacles, we're talking about the magic of nature. We're talking about the ability to get grounded and slow down and notice that everything from a flower to a strawberry to your own intricate hand or fingers have a magic in it. And that the magic only requires your getting stiller and more quiet and starting to listen to that deep, deep inner voice. So here we go. I'm ready. And I have my deck as well i use the top deck and can i just say because my actually mine's actually referred to as the discs oh interesting yeah and um rachel pollock who uh, is where i got that great little story about the four rabbis she mm -hmm. has a deck herself called the shining tribe tarot mm -hmm. and she uses stones oh really so i thought it was interesting that i found that story about the stone and that's so yeah discs pentacles coins stones uh, you know, there's a lot of different words that are used for this suit. Right, right, right. But it is the suit of Earth. And so we're going to talk through the 14 cards that take us on this journey of how do we become a supreme manifester. So it starts with the ace. And so the ace of any suit is a strong beginning. And so the ace of pentacles is the beginning. It's when you listen to that still quiet voice inside. And on a more tangible level, you know, it's a new job. It's a new home. It's a new relationship with your body. Uh, the ace of pentacles is maybe discovering a new park or taking a new hike, but it's that initiation into a deeper experience of your relationship with the earth. And then the two of pentacles is about having to change in order to achieve balance. And we see mm -hmm. that in nature, how there are natural cycles that happen. The leaves fall off the tree, and then the tree comes back to life. We need daytime, and we need nighttime. And so the Two of Pentacles is teaching us to engage with the changes that want to happen so that we can come more into balance. Yeah, mine actually has the yin-yang symbol represented on it. Each disc is actually uh, a yin-yang and it's actually called the card of change. It's also represented by Jupiter and Capricorn, which I think is interesting. The sense of abundance through and personal growth through, through structure. Through structure. And having to change those structures. Yeah. And on the rider, it's like a little juggler. So there's this sense of like being playful and how you explore this balance that mm. I think there's something about Jupiter that maybe softens the rigidity of Capricorn. Yeah. And so you're looking balance, for balance. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's also, it's a mini death card. I always think of the two of pentacles as like a mini sweet death card in the sense that you are releasing and allowing for a rebirth to happen. And it's not necessarily a rebirth of identity the way that like the big death card might be. It's like a rebirth of how you're engaging with the physical world. And even if it's just like slowing down and really tasting your food or cooking or really, you know, having gratitude to all the physical things in your life that bring you joy and allow you to do the things that you want to do, like thanking your toothbrush for being able to keep your teeth clean or thanking your favorite <laughs> underwear for making you feel so lucky. 
You know what? I've never thanked my favorite underwear before. Yeah, you should. I'm going to do it today. Yeah, I think that's nice. I'm going to wear it today. So then we move to the three of pentacles. And so the three of pentacles, and again, I should just say, this is how I work with the cards. There is no one way when it comes to the tarot. And when I teach tarot, I say, this is just a jumping off point. This is just an introduction and you will learn your own meanings for the cards. And that is what you will use. So by no means uh, am I the last word and you should question everything I say. I do. Yes, you certainly do. (laughs) So the Three of Pentacles is really about collaboration and partnership. And it's about finding those people that are now going to be able to help you manifest because you can't do everything by yourself. And so it's important to find people that fill in the cracks where your weaknesses are. And the Three of Pentacles is starting to call in those people that will help you collaborate. And in and of that, helps you start to specialize what you are best at. And that's what the Three of Pentacles to me brings as its medicine, is figuring out for yourself, what am I best at? What comes easily to me? What do I have mastery over? And how can I use that to manifest my dreams in the world? And then finding those people to partner with that can help you do the things that you're not so good at. So on a really simple level, if you're an amazing artist, but you're a shit web designer, then just hire someone to build your website instead of wasting your time trying to build a website that is taking you away from the things that you're best at. There's somebody out there who's really good at building a website or really good at marketing or really good at promotion or really good at finances, and you need to focus on what your specialty is. That's really the essence of the Three of Pentacles. Yeah, and with mine, it, it's actually Mars and Capricorn. And when I've done readings with this deck, I've always looked at it as, you know, what's showing up for you is there to help you work toward the greater goal. Mm. So trust that who's showing up, particularly, yeah, who. So who's showing up for you is, you know, necessary to keep building toward the greater goal. Yeah. So trust that you're in process. Totally. And that they're there to help you. Yeah. And if we think about just like the numbers themselves, one is pure. It's the absolute. There's no duality. It's the goddess herself and there's nothing else. It's the void. It's the light, whatever it is. And then two is duality. It's this or that. It's the sun and the moon, which is why we're talking about balance and change. And then three is creativity. Three is the first shape. It's the triangle. So this is where we start to get a portal. We start to get a glimpse into what's possible. So that's the three of pentacles. What's showing up for you is giving you a glimpse into what's possible moving forwards. But that leads us to four. Four, which for me is the first completion. When we get to four, we get our foundation. And we get that because there are four directions. There are four elements. There are four seasons. We think about our four-legged animals and how they're close to the ground and there's a purity to their being. So the four is the first completion. It's the foundation. And the four of pentacles is a physical foundation. It's when you start to understand how you're going to make your way in the world, getting your needs met. But the thing about the four of pentacles is it's a double-edged sword because you can't live in a foundation. You still have to build the rest of the house. And if you get stuck in the Four of Pentacles, if you become scarce or miserly, if you cling too tightly, then you're not going to allow the next steps to unfold. But the Four of Pentacles can also just be like, yeah, like you're figuring out a way to be in relationship with the natural world. You're figuring out a way to like recycle and exercise and eat healthily and be kind to animals and be a part of this world, to be in it, even if we are not entirely of it. We are not just earthly. We are also spiritual and emotional and energetic and mental. But 
for all intents and purposes, in this lifetime, while we have these bodies that are little Earths, we need to remember that we are connected to this planet. We can't avoid that. And again, that's what Pentacles is trying to teach us, that by doubling down on our earthliness, we can actually experience more of the spiritual intangibilities that we so crave. And then we get to the five. Oh, five of pentacles. So, you know, the five of anything is going to be a challenge because fives are contraction. They're change. If the journey is from ace to ten, five is when you're halfway and you realize, oh, fuck, what I thought this journey was going to be about, the things that I packed are actually not the things that I really need. And there's a reconfiguration or a recalibration that has to occur. Right. The fives are not mean. There's no mean card in the tarot. This is not a punitive cosmology. It's just that this is the moment when things have to remember themselves. And sometimes that's painful. So the five of pentacles is a physical contraction. And sometimes this means financial scarcity, bankruptcy. Sometimes it means you break a bone. Sometimes it means you just got to clear out your house of all the clutter. Didn't you have like a funny five of discs? <laughs> like, well, I don't know if I'd call it funny. Wow. But yeah. <laughs> so the second. I didn't mean it though. No, uh -huh. of course. So the second day I was at my intensive with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, I was pulling cards every day and I pulled the five of pentacles and I almost dismissed it. I was like, how is this going to show up? Like, here I am, like everything's being taken care of for me. It's not like I'm using money. And I should also just mention that in the rider deck, it's like this little like boy on crutches. He's crippled in some way, walking by a church. And so I, you know, was like, oh, well, whatever. And so then I went for a jog and I rolled my ankle and I sprained it. And I was like, oh, five of pentacles. And so the message there was for me that I needed to slow down and I needed to stop running you know, literally and metaphorically and just get still and allow myself to receive the teaching and the trainings that were coming my way. Right. And so the five of pentacles is that contraction that clears you out for the six, which is the expansion. Mm -hmm. So the fives and the sixes, they're partners. And if you go through the five and don't try to circumvent it, but really walk all the way through it, before you know it, you're in the six, you're in the expansion. And we know this from birth, too. Like, you have to contract in order to expand. Mm -hmm. So the Five of Pentacles, never pleasant. You know, sometimes it's sickness or illness, but it's something that's clearing you out. And if you can lean into it, it'll move through you like the flu, and you'll be on the other side of it. If you resist it, it'll keep persisting. And so then the Six is the blooming. It's the first expansion. And when I have someone that pulls the Six of Pentacles in a reading, I say, what you need to start paying attention to now is what's blooming around you, what's really good around you. And there's also something in the Six of Pentacles that's about generosity and that's about giving because when we're expansive, when we're generous, is when we are also allowing ourselves to receive. And there's something interesting too with the Six of Pentacles that's about giving people what they need. Not giving people what they want, but giving people what they need and only giving them what they need. I had an experience uh, last week. I've been giving a lot of shamanic healings because I've been wanting to practice my skills, and I've absolutely been overdoing it. And I had somebody uh, come to me, somebody who I, I cherish very much, and I wanted to do a really good job for them, and I overdid it. I, I gave more than they were able to receive and more than they should have been given 
in that moment. And as a result, I became quite exhausted because it was an act of generous and well-intentioned sorcery in the sense that I was not trusting divine timing and the natural order of things. I was asserting my will, which was that like, I want to get all of this gunk out of this person today in this one session. When the fact is, is that I could only, I was guided to only get out so much and then let them be with it and then come back and we'll get out more. It's a process. And I think it's something I'm learning for myself that you know, patience does not come easily to me, and I want to be able just to do it for somebody in one session, but that's not always how people need it. And so sometimes the Six of Pentacles is really talking to you about what you're giving to people and making sure that you're only giving what people can receive, and you're not giving more than that, or else you're wasting your own resources. What's uh, what's the Six of Pentacles in that deck? It's uh, the success card. Yeah. Blooming. Uh, yeah. But it actually is then represented by a number of astrological symbols as well. Saturn, Mars, Mercury, the moon, Venus, and Jupiter all in Taurus. Mm. So it is, yeah, blooming. It's this sense that, uh, yeah, you're manifesting a level of abundance. Yeah, the six is where you start to see the payoff. Right. It's not the big check. No. But it's enough that says keep going. Yeah, to me, I feel like it's when you say, God, I really could use $100 to pay for this thing. And then you get a call that, oh, there's a gig for, the, you know, they'll pay you 100 bucks. Exactly. Like, you get exactly what you need. Exactly. No more than that, but exactly what you need. Yeah. Totally. And the thing to remember about these cards, specifically the ace through 10, what the numbered cards, is that they are moments in time. And we work through them. And sometimes these moments are a day, sometimes they're a week, sometimes they're a year, but they have a beginning and a middle and an end. And I just think it's important to remember that the pip cards you're working through. Remember the majors, the major arcana cards, you're working with them. They're big energies. You're never going to be them. If anybody says to you, oh yeah, I'm the high priestess, honey, they're lying. <laughs> Nobody is big enough to be the high priestess. You can only work with her. You yeah. can only work with the emperor. You can only work with the star. So long as we are in form, we cannot contain all of those energies. That is just hubris. And then the court cards, which we'll get to, those are you. Those are the mirror being held up and saying, you need to start to see yourself as this archetypal version of yourself. But the pip cards, ace through 10, these are moments you walk through them. And sometimes you want to take your time and you want to walk through it like a beautiful garden. And sometimes you want to walk through it really quickly. You know, they say when you're going through hell, keep going. Don't sit right. down and cry about how hot it is. Just keep moving through. And I also just want to say, because you kind of touched on it, that for myself, in my experience as an intuitive tarot reader, when I was really doing it, uh, that even these numbers for me would, at times, I wouldn't just slap it on every time, but when it was intuitively guided to me, these numbers did represent specific numbers in time. Like I would feel like, like if someone were to ask me a question and, uh, you know, in this amount of time, what are you thinking? You know, I would pull a card over and the three of discs would pop up i'd be like three weeks yeah totally yeah yeah and there is a system that works with that where like pentacles mm -hmm. are days and wands are weeks and yes and you can work with time although i always say time is constantly being rewritten because yeah, we write sure. the future in the present moment so even though in the moment of the reading it says oh yeah here you go um that may change 
Yeah, I mean, it just depends on how you're approaching all of the work that's being presented to you in the course of that reading. But I had a client come over and she was starting a new job and she was wondering how long she was going to be at that job. And I said, well, let's try it. And I pulled the card that said five days. And I was like, listen, I was like, I don't know how this makes sense, but it's being communicated that you're only going to be at this job for five days. And she called me a month later and she said, after a week, they realized that I wasn't right for the job. And after a month, they told me that I had to go. Well, there you go. And I was like, oh, the cards never lie. Yeah. So the seven of pentacles is where we integrate the spiritual and the physical. Because sevens in the tarot are the spiritual number. And we think of that because there are so many sevens, systems of seven, the seven chakras, the seven continents, the seven notes in the musical scale, the seven colors in the light spectrum, the seven wonders of the world, seven heaven. There are sevens everywhere. And so when we pull a seven, we're being asked to look at the realm of the suit through a spiritual lens. And so the seven of pentacles is spiritual earth, and it's making sure that what you are tending in physical reality is really an extension of what you value spiritually. It's making sure that your physical reality is an expression of your spiritual life. Angel's doing something with his card right now. Oh, no, I was just look, gazing at this card. It's really beautiful oh, gotcha. in this deck. <laughs> and it has a lot of actual phys just physical representations of the number seven all throughout it in really fantastic ways. It's also the Saturn in Taurus card. Yeah, so it's about work. And it's about mm -hmm. tending your garden and making sure that you're tending a garden that you actually care about. I always say, if you don't like avocados, why are you growing and tending an avocado tree? You want to be spending your time nurturing things that are of actual value to you. And the Seven of Pentacles is how we start to align ourselves with that. Oh, that's so interesting because this card is actually called the failure card. But through the course of just my working with it, I've actually tended to see it more as the fear of success card, mm. which to what you said makes so much sense to me now. If you're putting all of your time and energy into something that you don't entirely believe in, of course you're going to be afraid that it's going to succeed because then you're going to take yourself down a path you don't want to go down. Exactly. <laughs> and it's making sure that everything in your house, from the clothes that you wear to the food that you eat to the you know tchotchkes out on your table are reflecting back to you your deeper spiritual desires. It's the bridge. The Seven of Pentacles is the bridge between ordinary reality and non-ordinary reality. Mm-hmm. And then the eight of pentacles, eight, four times two is double foundation. So eight of pentacles is really about the work, whatever it is. You know, if you're an artist, if you're a writer, if you're a teacher, it's about loving the work and not for what the work is going to get you, but because the work in and of itself is your own salvation. And so it's about an invitation into mastery. It's a double foundation in the sense that we are now getting really, really good at that thing that we've chosen to commit our lives to. And the Eight of Pentacles in the Wild Unknown is a spider weaving a web, mm -hmm. which I think is a really beautiful image for this card because we get to weave in our work the web of our dreams. And the work itself will satisfy and nourish us. If we are working just because we want some sort of external thing, we will always be dissatisfied. The reward is in the work itself. Right. And so you have to find, and that's the double foundation, right? You have to find the work that really heals you, that nourishes you, that sustains you, that brings you joy and pleasure. When I think healing in my deck, the in the Toth deck, it's the, it is the Sun and Virgo card. So to me, that connects so directly to work that heals you. 
beautiful. That then also heals others. Correct? Exactly. Yeah. And if you love the work, it will bring you success. Right. Because it's the thing that you're supposed to be doing here. But if you're doing something that you're miserable doing just because you want the house or the paycheck or the notoriety, even when you get the house, the paycheck or the notoriety, you're still going to feel hollow. Whereas if you're doing work that you love, even if you don't get the house or the notoriety, you're still in a place of joy because the work is really what we're all here to work, you guys. But find the work that feels like play. There are some rich bitches out here who aren't doing a damn shred of work, but I guess... They're hollow inside. Yeah, and I guess working through that's the work. Or they're numb to their own hollowness, you know? like. Right. Everyone's got their own journey, and just because they don't exhibit it doesn't mean they don't contain it. Mm-hmm. So your job is just to stay in your own lane and focus on yourself. And the nine of pentacles has a lot to do with that. The nines are the graduations. The nines are the leveling up. It's the upgrade. So the nine of pentacles is now towards the end of this journey. And I think of it as a felt sense of your own true value. Because after you've moved through ace through eight... You understand that you're a master to some degree. You understand that you have tremendous value in your work and in the world. And you've started to understand your own relationship with the natural world around you. And that you have value just like every tree and every flower and every bug and every animal has a place in the great web of things. And so the nine of pentacles is where you understand that you have this intrinsic value that's irrevocable that nobody can take away from you. And you also have the discipline to continue to work it. There's something in the Nine of Pentacles that's about entrepreneurship a little bit, really understanding from the three, right? Three times three is nine. So if the three was your specialization, you're like, oh, this is what I'm really good at. The nine is when you're like feeling in your body the value of being really good at it. And would you say then, because the three was sort of like partnering up with some people, uh, in this deck, it's it's actually a Venus card, Venus and Virgo. It's so then sharing it on some level with yeah, others. Yeah, exactly. Because now you understand what your value is. You understand your place in the world. Right. Through what you're best at. Through your, what would be called your own unique medicine. And then we get to the 10. And the 10 in the tarot is the bridge between the nine and the court cards. It's when we're walking from learning the lessons into embodying the lessons because all of the court cards are how we embody. And the 10 of pentacles is certainly abundance or excess, but it's not necessarily like getting the most amount of money. It's about understanding the abundance of magic in physical reality. So by the time we get to the Ten of Pentacles, it's when we start to see that invisible world behind everything. We can see the spirit in a strawberry. We can see the energy exchange that happens when we're in a creative space with other people. The Ten of Pentacles, and you'll see it on the rider, there's this scene of, you know, happiness. There's a husband and a wife and an old man. They don't necessarily look that happy. They're just content. And then laid over it are the Ten Pentacles in the shape of the Tree of Life in the Kabbalistic uh, tradition. And so what that's really speaking to is this idea that there is this hidden symmetry, this hidden architecture behind what we can see. And that's really what Pentacles is inviting us into it. Like, you may not ever get to see the spirit of that stone that Gershon Winkler was talking about, but you will be able to feel it. You will be able to sense it. And the Ten of Pentacles is our ability to start to sense beyond physical reality into that 
intangible, mystical quality. And if you want to think of it as energy or quantum physics or atoms or electrons, it all works, you know? And actually, I'm just having this aha moment where you could even think of pentacles as atoms. They have a similar mm-hmm. shape, you know? Um, but pentacles, they're the building blocks of, of reality. And so we're experiencing the building blocks of reality. Nice. In mine, the in the top deck, it is actually coins in the shape of the Kabbalistic. Oh yeah, tree and the of tree life. of life as well. Probably <laughs> taken directly from the from the rider. Exactly. Yeah. So then we get to the court cards: the page, the knight, the queen, and the king. And the thing that's significant about the court cards is that, like I said, they are your invitations into embodiment. You're not working through these. You're working as these archetypes. You are the Page of Pentacles. You are the Knight of Pentacles. And so the Page of Pentacles is double earth, and it is where we are now integrating all of the lessons. We're starting to live in a place of wonder, of seeing the magic behind the leaf behind the moon, behind that gust of wind, seeing the magic in how we make money and get our needs met. And it's also learning, maybe for the first time, how we're going to take everything we learned and actually live a life that's based on it. It's a page. And the pages aren't necessarily students in the sense that they're like innocent. It's that they're now learning how they're going to apply all of the teachings to a world that you're supposed to live in, not think through. And then the Knight of Pentacles is really the manifester of the deck where we kind of put our head down and we really embody that hardworking uh, spirit that gets things done. And it's ruled by the elements of earth and air. So air being where the vision comes from and earth being how you're going to manifest it. And the only way you're going to manifest a vision is with some hard fucking work. It's not just going to come out of thin air. The idea may come out of thin air, but then you got to put your nose to the grindstone and you got to move forwards. The knights are movers. They're moving the element of the suit. And so this is moving earth. And to move earth takes a lot of energy and it takes patience. Mm Mm-hmm. The Queen of Pentacles is the mother of the deck connected to Virgo, and this is really where you can learn how to trust yourself, how you can be mommy and baby simultaneously, or at least take turns. And I always say a good mom knows when the kid needs ice cream for dinner and when the kid needs to be in bed by seven, lights out, no bedtime story. <laughs> you know, you got to learn for yourself through the Mother of Pentacles how you can trust yourself to really be nurturing yourself on that deepest level. And then the king of pentacles, and I always think of the queen and the king, they sit next to each other on the throne. It's just the queen, she's the master or the mistress of the internal realm. And then the king is where it starts to pour forth. The queens hold court and the kings pour forth is my easy way of remembering that. Mm. And so the king is then about, well, you've got a kingdom, so how are you going to start to empower other people? And it's really about the blending now of physical reality and spiritual reality. The king of pentacles knows how to control his physical reality in such a way that he can allow for spirit to come in and fill in those gaps and to live in a relaxed, abundant, playful way. There's no need for scarcity or panic when you're the king of pentacles because you know your needs are going to be met. You know that there is abundance in everything if you can just slow down and see into it. But remember, all of these cards are speaking to energies that are amoral. They can be used for good or bad. And I once asked the question of the tarot, what is evil? And the card I pulled was the King of Pentacles, which would mean too much control. Mm -hmm. When you try to control somebody else, capitalism. When you try to control how people perceive you, 
that's where we start to get into the idea of, you know, evil or sorcery, right? That like all you can really control is yourself. And even there, you can't be too controlling because there's a greater vision and a greater purpose. And it's always a partnership. We're not a puppet of the spirits and the spirits aren't a puppet of us. And the King of Pentacles understands that. The King of Pentacles has a lot in line with the fool in a sense, where it's learning how to be a vessel, but a vessel that can take responsibility. In the same way that the Queen of Pentacles has a lot in line with the Empress. And also with the Magician, too. The Queen of Pentacles knows how to make magic through her own ability to trust herself and to trust the natural order of things. Mm -hmm. So, listen, this is a taste. It's an introduction. If you want to learn more about the tarot, you should come learn it from me. And on July 27th, I'm starting my three-week tarot class, Tarot and Vino. Although you don't have to drink to enjoy it because Goddess knows I'm not. And, uh... You get your own deck. It's three classes on Saturday. You get brunch. You get coffee and tea or wine. And we dive really deep into all 78 of the cards, though not all at once. And we do practice readings and you get mini readings. And it's not because you want to be a professional tarot reader, though if you do, this is certainly a great place to learn. But it's because everybody needs a divination tool. Everybody needs a portal into the invisible world to answer questions, to give yourself guidance. And the tarot is a really great way to do it. So if you're interested, reach out to us. Um, and now, of course, we're going to finish with our tarot card of the episode. So I am shuffling the cards. Just take a moment and tune in. And just know that this message will resonate for you no matter the future place or time in which you are listening to this episode. All right, here we go. So the card I pulled for us is the Ten of Wands. Oh. And so the Ten of Wands is the burnout card. It's essentially trying to do too much at once. And when we pull the Ten of Wands, the medicine is is that Ten Wands is just too much. And you need to put some of those fucking wands down. <laughs> so I would say two, maybe three wands at most prioritize, figure out what really needs to be done in these next couple of weeks and just focus on those. You don't have to do everything all at once. Trust in divine timing. And if there are a lot of things that do really need to get done, then stop trying to do it all by yourself. You don't have to do it alone. And so make yourself available. Ask for help. And the card at the bottom of the deck is the nine of pentacles in the reversed position, which is again about your value. And so I would just say that once you really know your value, you're able to ask for help and you're able to understand what really needs to be done. So think about your value. Think about your place in the wider web of things. And maybe that can help you um, in terms of really prioritizing and evaluating what really needs to be done right now. And we can tie all this back even to what we were talking about with the retrogrades in that we start out with Mercury and Leo, which was, I'm a leader, I'm here, watch me do my thing. But having to then tread back into cancer water, which is our connection to family and ultimately reconnect to family. Like you said, I can't do this alone. So whether it is your actual birth family or your chosen family, it's a good opportunity to reconnect with those people and dip back into that well that fills you up emotionally and remind yourself that you are a creation of 
all of these different people and energies and taking that into the next real Leo season to be a true leader of authenticity. A leader of the heart. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll probably be doing another uh, one of these unpacking the tarot suits, maybe mm-hmm. seasonally. We'll try to get them all in before the end of the year for Definitely, sure. Definitely, yeah. And uh, we just want to give a really big thank you to all of you who tune in and reach out and support the work that we're doing here. Um, you know, this is an offering that we do free of charge. We don't make any money from this because this is how we want to give back. And this is part of how we feel our value in the world is to demystify these mystical practices and to start to build this community. So please, um, you know, you can share the love by sharing the podcast, um, by reviewing it, by rating us five stars, and by continuing to engage with us. What do you want to hear us talk about? Um, What episodes are really getting your imagination going, are helping you connect to the spiritual practices in your own reality? Uh, That's how we can continue to grow this community. And we're so grateful to all of you who do connect and contribute. Um, Yeah, you know, and to that, that we've gotten a nice influx of ratings recently. We've hit 100 ratings on iTunes. Yeah, so thank you all very much. And thank you uh, for all the recent reviews. Uh, our love Lori XYZ uh, Boyster Girl who gave us a lovely little five star shout out we appreciate it um, Beach Boy Eddie so all of you please keep uh, sending those reviews in we really really appreciate it and a big thank you to our neighbor Carl thank you for working with Mercury and making sure that this podcast always sounds great and gets out through those radio waves. A big thank you to Justin Simeon for the interstitial music. And again, of course, a big thank you to all you gazers without whom the spiritual gaze would not be possible. We couldn't do without you and we wouldn't. Until next time, this has been your transit through the the spiritual spiritual gaze. gaze.